This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. So it is Mission Sunday, uh, and it's something that we have on a regular basis. And some of you might be thinking, ah, so predictable. Mission Sunday, and we're talking about the Great Commission. Well, if we understand these words, then I hope you will agree with me that it is not, uh, again, we are hearing the Great Commission. But rather, our feeling should be, yes, this is words that we don't go to and consider and reflect on and think about the implications uh, enough. And so it is uh, my privilege to be sharing this word with you. And please join me in prayer as we ask God to help us hear this word. Let's pray together. Father, we have sung together. Please show us Christ. And so here in these words, uh, the words of your Son, Christ our Lord, please help us see in these words more clearly who your Son is and what it is he has asked of us to do. Please, as we see him more clearly, that we will be more determined to depend on him, to give him, to obey him in what he has asked. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So you see in your outline, we have four points, and they all begin with the word all. So all authority, all the nations, uh, all the things, and all the days. Now this is literally what Matthew 28, these verses say in the original. Now some English translations uh, obscure it by not having the words all, but Believe me, I promise you, uh, there are those four alls, uh, as Jesus said it uh, and recorded in Matthew. So the first all is all authority. So he comes and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So quite literally, Jesus is saying that he is Lord of all. There is no one higher than him. All authority in heaven and earth, in every place, the whole cosmos, he is Lord of it all. And the reason why he is Lord of all, the reason why all authority has been given to him is because of what we've read together in our first Bible reading, because of his resurrection. So yes, Jesus was crucified. He died on the cross for our sins. And because he has done that, God has vindicated him. God has raised him to life and shown him to be the one who is Lord of all, the one who is uh, king of the universe, king of kings, no name higher than his. God has proved this. God has demonstrated this. God has shown Jesus to be Lord of all by his resurrection. And that is what we read together. And you see how the angel says to the women, right? The women come and they want to uh, offer the spices, you know, and balm him and all that. And instead of seeing a corpse as they well expected to see, because they knew, they saw that Jesus had died on the cross. But instead of seeing a corpse, they see this angel and the angel says, I mean, he says four words that always get me. I mean, the angel says to the women, as they come and as they expect to see the dead body of Jesus, they say, 
he is not here. And the reason why he is not here is because he is risen. He is alive again. He is alive because God has vindicated him. God has raised him to life again as Lord of all. Now, I'm sure as Christians, we believe this. And we believe that because Jesus has been raised, death has been conquered. The grave no longer uh, is the, has that hold over us. And as Christians, we believe that because Jesus has been raised, eternal life has been won. And because Jesus has been raised, it means his work on the cross, dealing with sin, that has been accomplished. And so forgiveness has been won. But friends, the resurrection also proves that Jesus is Lord of all. So my point right at the beginning is quite simple. We cannot have one without the other. We cannot as Christians come and, and say, okay, yes, because of the resurrection, I no longer have to fear death. Because of the resurrection, I can have confidence of heaven, confidence that my sins are forgiven. And yet fail to reflect on the fact that the resurrection also proves He is Lord of all. We cannot have one without the other. He is Lord and He is Savior. And so the one with all authority comes and says to these 11 disciples who have gathered to meet him in Galilee and he tells them what he wants. And what does he want? Well, uh, that's captured for us in the next all, all the nations. And Jesus says, go, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, because all authority has been given to Jesus. You can see how that's linked to his request. Since he is the one who has all authority, now he is asking his disciples to make disciples of all the nations because all the nations rightfully belong to him. He is the one who is Lord of all the cosmos. And so all the nations, all the peoples, all the language groups, all the people groups, they all belong to him. He has authority over them all. But yet at the present moment, I mean, you could say only those 11 and a handful of women and maybe a small crowd see and acknowledge him as Lord. And so that's not right. If he is indeed Lord of all, then all from all the nations that belong to him should rightly bow the knee before him, worship him as Lord. And so his command to his disciples is to go and make disciples of all the nations because all the nations are his. And so this means for us as we engage in world mission, as we pray and as we send people out, as we support uh, mission organizations, the, the work of missionaries going into those countries. And you saw what the different culture it was in, in Nepal, right? I mean, they dress differently, they speak differently, and, you know, they, they worship those uh, stone statues. The thing that we must remember is, as we send people there, because all the nations are His, we are not engaging in sheep stealing. As missionaries go there and make disciples and win converts to Christ, 
We are simply reclaiming back for Jesus what rightfully belongs to him. It is not sheep stealing. And so when Jesus says to the original 11 disciples, make disciples of all the nations. Okay, so imagine you are there and you have a you know, video camera and you're recording exactly what's happening. And you hear what Jesus says to them. You would find it strange. I mean, maybe you tell me whether you find it strange. I mean, you would find it strange if all that the 11 disciples did was then begin to find a shaded spot, you know, take out some scrolls of scripture that they might have with them, you know, unroll it, and then, you know, begin encouraging each other with what they find in those scrolls with scripture. And that's all they do. That in response and in thinking of uh, how they can be obedient to what Jesus has commanded them to do, they go to a shaded corner and they simply gather as a small group and begin discipling one another. Yes, the 11 disciples have a long way to go in their discipleship, in their following and their obedience of Jesus. But if all they do is simply gather in a small group and encourage one another, sharpen one another, you know, okay, yes, Peter, you know, the things that you said to John yesterday, a bit harsh, you know, you should see what uh, James will later write, you know, uh, watch your tongue, you know, the tongue is a... And and begin encouraging one. And if that's all they do, wouldn't you find it strange? It would be strange because Jesus has just said, make disciples of all the nations. So the picture that must come to our minds in responding and in obedience to what Jesus has said is not discipleship programs where we gather simply as a church, where we maybe just uh, invite a younger Christian out and we go through some discipleship material with that person. No, the picture of what it means to obey Jesus must involve going to the people who have not even heard of Jesus. And not just the work of what we do in small groups and as a church, building one another up. Yes, that is an important aspect of making disciples, of helping one another to grow and to follow Jesus more faithfully. But to make disciples of all the nations means we have to go. It means we have to go to the unreached. It means we have to bring the gospel, bring the news of Jesus as Savior and as Lord of all to people who haven't even heard of him. And the challenge in our day, friends, is that the world Christian mission has been going on for the last 2,000 years. And in God's kindness, we've made progress such that, you know, in many parts of the world, there is witness to Jesus. There are churches. There are mission organizations trying to, you know, send people to those places. We have made some progress. But as you look upon the landscape of the world and you look at the places where uh, people groups are still unreached, you see they have one thing in common. And the one thing in common is that those places are hard to reach. Those places are resistant 
to missionaries coming and telling them about Jesus. And the reason why they are resistant, the reason why it's hard to reach is because, I mean, the reason why they are unreached is because they are hard to reach. The reason those places or those people groups are still unreached is because it is difficult. If it was easy, it would have been done decades ago. But this is what it means to obey the words of the Lord Jesus, to bring the gospel, to bring the news that He is Lord to the people who haven't even heard. It involves going. Make disciples of all the nations. But what does it mean? What does it mean to actually make disciples? I mean, we use that term a lot. Well, Jesus thankfully explains to us in the third all that we see. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And how do you make them? You baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, to baptize someone is to bring them to a point where they are, they begin their Christian life. They, uh, baptism is their initiation into the Christian faith. So what it means is you go to people who previously have bowed the knee, have worshipped other gods, idols. And in hearing that Jesus truly is the one who is Lord, in the power of the Spirit, they come to recognize with eyes open, Christ has been shown to them, and they now want to follow Christ. And the baptism is that initiation. So to baptize them is to take people who have worshipped other gods, other lords, and bring them to the point in the power of the Spirit where they now worship the true Lord, the one and only God, baptizing them. But not only leaving it as that. Not, Jesus is not just looking for converts. He's looking for disciples. And so his next instruction is to teach them all the things Jesus has commanded. Okay, good. You're looking at that, right? Teach them all the things that Jesus has commanded. Correct? Is it correct? Okay. Ah, some are nodding, some are shaking their heads. Yeah, because it's there, you can see the word that I purposely left out. But in our heads, we always think of it that way. Yes, you know, get them converted. And once they're converted, the next step is to continue to teach them what Jesus has commanded. But if that's all that we envision in our minds, then we have left out something important because Jesus did not just say, teach them what he has commanded. He said, teach them to obey all that he has commanded, which means simply downloading, simply transferring information is not enough. We actually have to help people in in making them disciples to help them come to the point where they not only hear, not only uh, become aware, but they actually grow in their obedience of all that Jesus has commanded. And you know in your own experience that simply someone telling you the right thing to do uh, is oftentimes not enough. Oftentimes what we need to see is to see that command of Jesus demonstrated in real life. So to truly make disciples is not just 
sharing with them, downloading, you know, transferring information with them. No, it means we actually need to journey with people. It means that we need to demonstrate with our own lives as a student, as a worker, as a parent or as a grandparent, what, what it means to obey Jesus at this point uh, in this stage of my life so that those who are coming after us see and have tangible, you know, example and say, ah, oh, okay, okay, this is what, this is what it, it really looks like. This is what it means to apply Jesus' words into this situation, to help them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. So it means, friends, we need to share lives. It means we cannot just come to church and simply, uh, you know, attend, uh, you know, be here, hear the sermon, and then have small talk with one another. No, no, that will not help uh, one another see how we are struggling and grappling with this command of Jesus, and and by God's grace, how we are putting into practice, uh, growing in obedience. Now, for that to happen, we need to be sharing lives. We need to be vulnerable. We need to invite people in to see our lives, to see both our failures and by His grace, our successes. So Jesus, the one with all authority, tells us, go and make disciples of all nations, which means to baptize them, and to teach them to obey all the things he has commanded. And the mistake we will make at this point is to go, who can do that? Who is adequate for that task? And that is a right uh, instinct, that's a right reaction. And I think that's why Jesus ends by saying, And surely I'm with you all the days to the very end of the age. So the Jesus who has all authority, the Jesus who has given this great commission, is also the Jesus who is with us. At no point in this task, at no point in this endeavor are we left to ourselves. At no point are we left to you know, tackle this with our own strength or simply with our own resources. Now, the making of disciples of all the nations is a task that is done by us, not so much for Him. You know, something that we do, okay, let's do this for Jesus, let's do this for Jesus. But because He is with us, it is a task that essentially we are doing with Him. See, there's a big difference, you know, Jesus just leaving us this task, okay, disciples, you know, get this done for me, and then I'll return and I want to see this thing done. And then so, you know, because we're his disciples, we, we are compelled by his love and, you know, we've benefited from his grace and we want to do this for Jesus. Yes, in a sense, it is for him. But more importantly, we are doing this with him. And uh, wasn't it encouraging Sherlyn's testimony? Her one and a half years in Nepal, you know, the big thing that she left with was, yes, never... One moment, never an instance was she left alone. Right? Again and again as she embarked on this journey by faith, the Lord met her, provided for her, and proved that His promise here in Matthew 28 
that all the days he was with her. And so for us as disciples who hear this command from our Lord, the one thing that Jesus wants, you see, he's not asked for big church buildings. He hasn't asked for, you know, a lot of programs. We must be clear, what is the one thing that Jesus has asked for? Right after his resurrection, dead man come back to life. And before he ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of God interceding for us, the one thing he makes clear that he wants is for his disciples to make disciples of all the nations. You know, John Piper tells the story of how a retired Christian couple spent the last decades of their life sailing the Caribbean and collecting seashells. And then his remark was, what a waste of life. Because when the Lord Jesus returns, what are they going to do? I mean, are they going to go to Jesus and say, look, Lord, look at my seashell collection. The missionary speaker at Sherlin's church challenged them, who is willing to give one year? On the basis of this passage and on the authority of Jesus, the challenge I make to myself and to you is, Jesus is challenging us to give our lives to this and giving our lives to the one thing that will not prove to be a waste. Because this is the endeavor that Jesus is doing with us. At the end, when the dust settles, this is the thing that will be left standing. Disciples that are made for Jesus. I remember clearly the last... The previous mission trip to uh, Vietnam that we went, uh, you know, with Andrew and with Grace, it was at a time when one of the staff workers was finishing his stint and going back to his, uh, you know, tribal village. And so the students wanted to bid him farewell to, you know, thank him for the things that he had done. And so they got him to stand in the center and then they switched off the lights and then one by one, you know, his students, you know, lighted a candle and they sang a song, and, and, and they walked around him. And the thing that struck me most was my friend, you know, this Vietnamese staff worker, standing in the middle, and he was doing this. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he was controlling his tears, lah, because he was touched by uh, the appreciation his students had shown him, because he was thankful to God how in his time as a staff worker, the lives, you know, through God, he managed to impact. And that just made me think how on the other side of heaven, if we give our lives to this task with Jesus at our side, doing this with him, making disciples of all the nations, the thing that will last, the thing that we will see in heaven, will be the people that we have impacted in our endeavor, in our, in our response to Jesus. Yes, to, to, to do what we are able to in our prayers and in our giving and in the living of our lives and the choices that we make. Some of us will make those choices to actually go 
Some of us will make sacrificial choices to, to support people who are going. But in all that's done in this whole endeavor of making disciples of all the nations, can you imagine in heaven seeing what Jesus took of our paltry efforts and transform them into lives impacted disciples made? Those are the things that last and last forever. Not just one year, friends. But let's not waste our lives. Let's give our lives to what Jesus has asked for. May God help us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.